Luke 12, 35 to 59. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us all? For us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant, whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day that he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved the beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they are entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. And the second reading is from Acts 1, 9 to 11. Acts 1, 9 to 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out, out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we look into your word, you'll teach us, you'll open our hearts 
and we will learn from your word. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to each of our hearts today in Jesus' name. If you'd like to turn with me to Isaiah 26. And the verse that um, I want you to take note of is the, the last verse, verse 8. Isaiah 26, starting from verse 1. It's called a song of praise. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation, its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make, make the way righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws or judgments, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. I'll read that again. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws or judgments, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. It's moving day. Everything's packed, ready to go. And you're just waiting for the removalist truck to arrive. Excitement, panic, stress, anxiety, frustration, sadness, and many more emotions are in our minds. Are we doing the right thing? Are we going to settle in quickly? Hope nothing gets damaged. We remember the horror stories that we've heard and we cringe. But imagine if it came to, to moving day and nothing was prepared, nothing was packed. The removalists arrive and you're still in bed. I think your emotions would be magnified. Or maybe you don't have any emotions at all. You expect everything to be done by others. Preparation is necessary. Preparation. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. Are we prepared? Are we ready for the Lord's moving day? And you go, what are you talking about? I'm talking about being ready for the day that the Lord returns and those who are his will rise to meet him in the air and he will take us to the place he has prepared for us. Are we ready? Larry Norman wrote a song many years ago that, that went like this. Life was filled with guns and war and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died, the days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of coal. I wish we'd all been ready. 
There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one's left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. There's no time to change your mind. How could you have been so blind? Father spoke, demons dying. The sun has come and you've been left behind. You've been left behind. When Jesus comes again, go to our Luke passage, Luke 12, we look at verses 35 to 38. Jesus said that we must be ready for his return because we do not know when he will return. Now, in the times of Jesus, they obviously wore the uh, flowing robes and cloaks and stuff. And a person who was, as the NIV has put it, dressed ready for service, or as the English Standard Version says, dress for action. For them to be prepared for that, they need to tuck the, the bottom of their robe into their belt. Sash. And this was done to prepare for travel, for fighting, for running, or for work. Jesus tells us to be ready. Turn with me to Matthew 25, starting from verse 1. Jesus tells a parable, 10 versions, Matthew 25. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took oil, flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is a bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some oil for your lamp. Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. You know, a bit of background um, Jewish times and, and Jesus' time. A couple wanted to get married. They became betrothed. It's sort of like our engagement. But it had a difference. Instead of living together or seeing each other every day or nearly every day, the groom would go and build a house guided by his father. The groom is guided by his father, so he just builds until his father says the house is ready. 
then, and only then, does the groom return for the marriage ceremony. And only the father can say, when the house is ready, then the marriage ceremony. So everyone and everything has to be ready. It's a little bit different here. We talk about getting married and we look for a house and um, you know, to rent or to buy or to build if we've got enough money. And we're already already talking about wedding plans and we're getting ready for everything. The groom back then built the house himself. Okay, so the groom comes and everyone says, here comes a bridegroom. Jesus said in John 14 verse 2 my father's house has many rooms if that were not so would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am there's so many References to um, coming in the Bible. Go back to Luke 12, verse 36. It tells us to be waiting, to be like men who are waiting for the master to come home from work, so that they may open the door to him at once and come home. Are we ready? Are we watchful? Then he goes on to say in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table. He will come to serve them. He comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake. Blessed are servants. Let's turn to Mark 13, 32. In this particular passage, we'll read, no one knows that day. Mark 13, verse 32. Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. Be on guard and keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Now, Jesus is not saying we're not to rest or sleep. It's more... Be alert, be ready, be watchful. The disciples' responsibility and ours is to get busy and do his work without being concerned about date setting. A map of the future would be more of a hindrance, not a help. Then Jesus uses an analogy of a par or a parable of a thief in verses 39 and 40. 
But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house. You must also be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour. Now, if we knew when a thief was going to break in and enter, we would be prepared for it. But we don't know when a thief is going to come and enter our home. But generally, most people would have things in place. Locks on the doors, guards on the windows, possibly cameras outside the buildings. And then um, Peter does his usual trick, being the voice for uh, the disciples, and he says, okay, so what's the extent of our responsibilities? And Jesus answers with a counter question. Who then, is faith, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Jesus is telling his disciples and he's telling us that we have a special responsibility. Jesus emphasizes the importance of faithfulness in doing the will of the master, especially for the one who has others placed under his leadership. This applies to everyone. James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's a pretty scary passage. If we're not honouring God's word in what we teach, we're going to be judged. We've got to watch what we teach. We've got to be make, make sure that we, we teach the right stuff. And those in leadership over the body of Christ need to be faithful and wise as they teach and proclaim the word of God. When Julie and I were, um, were first married, we, we, were, we became youth leaders. And um, with all the teaching that we had received over, over the years, we knew that we had to be above reproach. We had to be transparent. We weren't to go into areas that were wrong. But if we did go into a hotel or something, rather we weren't to drink because the example that we were setting for the young people was pretty important. And if their parents saw us drinking the same as they do, who are non-Christians, what example would that have been to the parents? And they, they would say, well, you're no different to us, so why should we send our kids to, to learn about Jesus? Why would I want to know about Jesus if, we, if you're no different to us? So we had to be so careful that we were transparent, were above reproach. Pretty scary thought. Verse Verse 43 says, blessed is, that blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. In other words, blessed is the man who has been faithful in the ministry of the word. He will be rewarded. And then Jesus goes on to say, but if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at 
at an hour he does not know. And he'll cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Pretty gruesome. It's not actually talking about literally cutting them into pieces, but they will be removed from the body and put with the unfaithful. So people who mistreat or abuse people in the body of Christ, they're misrepresenting God. When Jesus returns, there will be punishment for those who misrepresent God. You know, um, Moses misrepresented God. In Exodus, um, Exodus 17.5, we read, The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff for which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out, out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And the people marveled. You know, 38 years, you know, some 38 years later, just before they went into the promised land, Moses was getting sick and tired of all the whinges in the desert. And they were after water again. And we read in Numbers 20, verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff. And you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels, we must, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honour me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I will give them. Moses misrepresented God. God said in the first instance to strike the rock. Moses did that. God said in the second instance to speak to the rock and Moses struck the rock twice. So God was misrepresented by Moses. And as a result, he didn't enter the promised land. The rock is a picture of Jesus. Strike the rock once speaks of Jesus' death on the cross. And this gives us living water. But Jesus didn't have to die repeatedly in order to give us living water. We just need to speak to the rock. Back to Luke, verse 47. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe, a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved the beating will receive the light beating. 
Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. For those who accepted what Jesus did on the cross, there will be no sin unto death because God's taken that away. It's over. Our eternal life is fixed in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But those who have been given the responsibility to manage and feed God's, God's people need to do that with dignity and accuracy. There are warnings given to believers, not about losing their salvation, but about how we live our lives. James 3.1 Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We need to represent the truth of the Lord with a proper attitude. Jesus is coming back. Are we ready? Are you ready? We know that Jesus will return the same way he went to heaven. Turn with me to um, passages that Sarah read, Acts 1, 9. You can imagine the disciples just standing there and just looking up into heaven, wondering what's going on. So Acts 9, we read, after, this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid, them from, hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus' return is imminent. Two Peter three verse three says, "Above all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming?' He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as, as it has since the beginning of creation. And down to verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the day, with the day, sorry, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. I bet Warren's glad that his birthday is not a thousand years away. A long time between parties, wouldn't it? <laughs> the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so patient with us. So, why the delay? pretty simple God wants more people to be saved and he wants more people to stop ignoring what the Bible says so he's waiting he's patient for other people to come to know him are you saved by the blood of Jesus you know Jesus return is going to happen just like he said are you ready for Christ's return Stay awake, 
Be watchful spiritually. Live in his presence. Live in the, faith, in the faithfulness and expectation of his return. Jesus' return is imminent. It will happen at any time. Be constantly aware that he could return at any time. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-6. The day of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labour pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. The word sober there um, means in the Greek, apparently, I haven't studied Greek, but I heard this. The, the word for sober in the Greek means exactly the same thing as what it means in the English language. Intoxicated with alcohol or drugs or whatever other things people put into their bodies. But he's also saying there that we need to have a clear mind. We don't need to be um, bogged down by the things of the world. We need to be concentrating on the things of the Lord. So we need to be awake. We need to be sober. We need to be clear mind so that we can, we can be ready for when Jesus returns. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's encourage each other to keep on keeping on in the way of the Lord. To get ready for the day that God is coming, that Jesus is coming back. You know, Jesus' return is closer now than it was yesterday. Are you ready? Don't regret not being ready. It's moving day. Are you ready for Jesus' moving day? Let's pray. Well, thank you, Lord, for your word this morning, um, encouraging us to be ready, to be alert, to be watchful, to be clear-minded. Lord, I pray that you'll, you'll continue to teach us how to, to live our lives for you, to do your work and teach us to be ready for when you come and move us into your home, in Jesus' name.